0: All right. Well, welcome back to the Servants of Grace theology segment. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, a listener writes in and they have a great question. And the question is this What was the sin that condemned Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, Jesus sent out his evangelists empty handed so they would learn to trust the promise of his provision. But there was also another reason. Their poverty would force people to make a decision. Either people would welcome the evangelists into their homes, or they would leave them out in the cold. But either way, they had to make a choice for Christ. And understanding what was at stake when these evangelists preached the gospel, and in fact, what is at stake every time anyone preaches the gospel, is absolutely critical. The 72 were royal messengers. Their message was the king's message in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And therefore, the way people responded to that message would indicate what kind of relationship they wanted to have with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There there would be peace for those who welcomed the kingdom, but peril for those who rejected it. And Jesus made this clear that at the end of his instructions in Luke 10 uh, 16 the the 72 evangelists may not have seemed all that impressive all they had was a gospel and yet that gospel came from the king himself offering the true way of salvation and none other than in the lord jesus christ these messengers were there in the name of the king and therefore the way people responded to them would determine their eternal destiny and some people would respond in faith, and others would not. Jesus said to his messengers in uh, Luke ten five through six. What Jesus calls a son of peace is someone who welcomes the gospel message. And Luke ten eight, he describes such people as receiving his messengers. They they welcome both the good news of God's kingdom and the people who preach it. It's the same. People who gave the gospel this kind of welcome would enjoy the blessing of God's peace. The evangelist would say, peace be to this household. And the members of the household would have God's peace. These are no idle words. They were a benediction from the Lord. But they did not work like magic as if the words themselves had the power to bring peace. Like any other gift from God, these words had to be received by by faith to convey real blessing from God. And anyone who believed the gospel message had peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, a peace that would last forever. And the same thing still happens today whenever people receive good news by faith. Someone comes preaching the gospel message that Jesus was born to bring salvation that he died on the cross to pay the price uh, for our sin in our place, and that he rose from the dead to give the free gift of eternal life, that message may not seem very impressive. It's Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 that it's foolishness to the world, and nevertheless, anyone who preaches the true gospel is a royal messenger from God. And therefore, anyone who receives the message by faith receives God himself. The king of all kings is summoning us to salvation, and if we welcome his royal summons by trusting in none other than Jesus Christ, we will have the blessing of his everlasting peace. You see, people reject this message at their own peril, and nowhere did Jesus make this any clearer than in his very clear instructions to his disciples. First he told his his evangelists what to do when people rejected them in Luke 10 10-11 and, and if in a particular town no one showed the evangelists any hospitality they were to take their message to the streets and to give people a spiritual object lesson. Shaking the dust off their feet was a sign of rejection and exclusion even condemnation It meant that The people of that community were outside the people of God. As far as God was concerned, their town was foreign soil. You see, to reject a royal messenger is to reject the royal person of the king who sent the messenger. And this is almost always a very serious mistake. But never more so than when the king is the king of kings and the lord of lords, the rightful ruler over the creation that he made, the one who upholds and sustains the very world in which we live, not to mention ourselves. And so Jesus proceeded to pronounce this woe against communities that rejected his messengers in Luke 10, 12 through 15. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town, Woe to you, Carazian! Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. And the word woe here expresses deep regret, and sad dismay. In fact, Jesus used it here to show the anguish that he felt over his rejection in places where he had once preached the gospel. Chorazin, Bathsheba, and Capernaum, which was his home away from home, these were towns in Galilee where Jesus performed many mighty miracles. The people of those communities had every opportunity— to trust him for their salvation. They saw Jesus in the flesh. They witnessed his divine power. They heard his words of salvation. And nevertheless, they remained unrepentant. Sadly, they did not receive Jesus by faith. As a result, they were in great peril. And when Jesus spoke of that day in Luke ten twelve, he was referring to the day of judgment when God will render his verdict on every person who ever lived. Some people will be received into everlasting peace, the peace of God that Romans 5, 1-5 through talks about, but others will be condemned to everlasting destruction. As it says in Luke ten fifteen. they will be brought down to Hades, which is not merely a place for the dead, but a place, that text says, a place of punishment, a place of condemnation, which is ordained exclusively for the ungodly. And here, Jesus makes a sobering and a surprising comparison. The day of judgment will be unbearable for any sinner who dies outside of Christ. They will go to hell, a place of unending, unrelenting, conscious punishment. And nevertheless, it will be even more unbearable for the unbelievers from places like Carzan and Capernaum than for unbelievers from wicked cities like Sodom, Sidon, and Tyree. Sodom was so infamous for its immorality that God destroyed it by fire. What city could ever be worse off than Sodom? Well, according to the Bible, the answer is that any city that ever heard the gospel but still rejected the Lord Jesus. And this is a sober warning for anyone who hears the good news about Jesus Christ but refuses to receive him as Savior, as King. You see, God will hold us responsible for what we know about Jesus Christ. The greater the opportunity, the greater our responsibility. And whenever the gospel is preached, the kingdom of God is near. To reject the gospel is to reject Jesus Christ. To reject Jesus is to reject his Father's kingdom in heaven. In fact, the more the gospel has been preached, the greater the responsibility we bear for rejecting it. We would hardly expect a bunch of pagans in a place like Sodom to trust in God, but what about people who worship in an evangelical church or read Bible commentaries and Bible books? What can we expect from them then? And more importantly, what does God himself expect? And once we've heard that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ and that the way is exclusive and restricted We can never claim ignorance again. We will have to face the eternal consequences of our response to Jesus and to the gospel. There's no excuses. And so I ask you a question today. You are listening and watching this podcast. What is your response to the gospel message? By the logic of what Jesus said about Sodom and Korazan, the day of judgment will be almost unbearable For all of the people who worship in Bible teaching, gospel preaching churches, but never entered the kingdom of God. If we have heard the real message of salvation in our king, then we need to respond to Jesus in faith, trusting the gospel of his kingdom. In fact, Jesus could hardly make it any more straightforward in this passage that we're looking at. in Luke, there are two and only two destinations the heaven of peace for those who receive him by faith, and the hell apparel peril for those who reject him in unbelief. And once we've decided for Christ, we need to do whatever we can to get the gospel to others. Because we love them, we care about them, we want them to go to be with the Lord in glory in heaven with us. And this means praying for missionaries who are in the harvest fields this means taking the gospel to and bringing it to bear in the situations and the situations of life this means sharing Christ with our neighbors and our friends and our family and even our coworkers at work it means serving god with practical compassion so that the truth of his word is confirmed by the deeds of our mercy and for some getting the gospel out will mean answering god's call to go somewhere far away and preach the gospel for others it's going to mean living for Christ close to home and supporting the gospel work through prayer and through giving. But there is something desperately urgent for every single Christian to do. People are dying and going to heaven or hell every day. And Jesus calls every Christian to go and make disciples, faithfully preaching his finished and sufficient work for the salvation of sinners. Friends, this is an urgent task today. People all around us, or they, they say, you know what? This is an intolerant message that you have. How dare you tell me about this? But you ask them this question. You love what you love, right? Do you love what you do? Do you love what do you love to do in your life? And as a Christian, you know what? I'm doing the same thing. The Lord, by his grace, has graciously saved me. And I love him. And with a heart full of gratitude, I warn you that there is a place of hell and that it is unending and unrelenting. And the only way to escape the fire of hell is because of the rescue that Christ offers to you in the gospel. That's the good news. That's the, that, that, that we don't have to be stuck in our sins. Luke 19.10 tells us very clearly that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. We are to make disciples who make disciples in the hour in which we are living. It is absolutely urgent that we, as a matter of loving God and loving our neighbor, as a great commandment tells us, to tell the truth. And the truth hurts the truth is offensive, the truth stings, but it is the truth, and out of your love for Jesus, you will tell people the truth, and you will have a passion or to have a passion to tell other people the truth. so may you tell people the truth, and may you not hold back for the honor of Christ, for the glory of God, and for the good of our society. May you not hold back, may you not cower, may you not fear, may you stand bold. As an ambassador, and may you do what Paul commands you to do in Second Corinthians five, seventeen through twenty-one, to make an appeal to men to be reconciled to God through the death and resurrection of our Savior King Jesus Christ. Now is the day, today is the hour. Dear Christians, stand fast on the Word of God and proclaim the glory of God of Christ, for the good of others, and for the honor of your Savior King. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you.